0: Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at calvarychapellubbock.church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now here's Pastor Ben. Have you ever heard the term, you ready? Practical atheism. Practical atheism. Well, in studying this week, I came across the term and it really blew me away. So I did some digging, and again, I just I could not believe um, what I discovered. Here's what is defined as a practical atheist. This is how it's defined. It's a category used by some believers to describe all those Christians who technically believe in God, but who behave immorally. The assumption, the definition goes on, is the assumption is that the moral behavior follows automatically from a genuine heart that's transformed to God. Thus, immoral behavior is a consequence of not that genuinely believing. Those who call themselves Christians who behave immorally must really be atheists, regardless of what they believe. The term practical atheist is simply professing to believe in God, yet living like he doesn't exist. You go, Ben, what is this all about? Well, Guys, think about it. In our study this morning, we're going to emphasize that James, he's going to emphasize really the danger of what I would call self-deception. Self-deception. In James 1.22, he says, deceiving your own selves. And later on in verse 26, he says, deceive his own heart. So what he wants to do, guys, he wants to do is he wants to just make sure that we are not on that road of self-deception, that we have to take a good look inside our heart. Now, listen, if you and I sin because Satan deceives us, that's one thing. But if we deceive ourselves, that's that's far more a serious matter. Now, the word of God, church, listen, illustrates two types of people that can be categorized in self-deception. You go, okay, what are they? See, many people are deceiving themselves, thinking that they are saved by a profession of words, and yet they're truly not. Wait, 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 Pastor, calm down. What did you say? Well, every, every end of service, I will always give someone an opportunity to surrender to the Lord. The very first thing I say when somebody raises their hand or comes forward, I'll look at them and I'll say, words alone aren't sufficient to save. This, just because you pray a prayer does not mean, oh, I'm saved. Pastor Ben said I was saved. And then you get to heaven, you go, well, Pastor Ben said I prayed this prayer, I'm saved. Words alone aren't sufficient to save. But we have developed a culture where we go, hey, just pray this prayer and you're saved. Oh, okay. Lord, Jesus, I believe in you. Amen. I'm saved. I'm saved. And you have to be, and, 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 it's, and, and it's real, it, it, here's why. Here's why, um, Saved by a profession of words, and they're truly not. Because according to Matthew chapter 7, Matthew chapter 7, you can turn there if you want to. If not, I'm going to read it. Matthew seven twenty two and 23 says this. Now many will say to me, the Lord is speaking, in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? Have we not cast out demons in your name and done many wonders in your name? And the Lord says, and I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Wow. So you're going to have a group of people. Now, now listen, let's, let's unpack it just a little bit. There's going to be a group of people. I pray it's none of us. We're going to have a group of people that will say, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we do this in your name? Didn't we serve in your name? And, and we did many wonders. And the Lord's like, but I never knew you. I never had a relationship with you. You never knew me. And that's what James is wanting to get. That's, that's the first type of people. Now, the second group is the ones that James want to lovingly confront. See, these are, you ready? These are true believers who are fooling themselves concerning their Christian walk. So you have group one, they really don't know the Lord. They're going through the motions. They're doing the religious activities. They're doing the religious routine. Group two, James goes, hey, hey, it's you guys. Let's let's take a good hard look at where we are. Listen, there are people who think they are really spiritual when they're not. And James asked them to look into the mirror of the word of God. Now, number one, those who are mature will face the word of God honestly and knows himself and admits his needs. That's key. Listen, this past week I was invited to our annual board meeting in New Mexico. And to drive to New Mexico, to Albuquerque, it takes five hours. I don't care how you slice it. My car knows where to stop, when to stop. It does it by itself. I've driven that so many times. But the point was, is I have five hours to listen to teachings. I listen to different ones. And I'm telling you, the, the mature Christian will say, fa- oh, oh, and, 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 and part of that, I, it was, I was just really convicted on a lot of stuff. Because the word of God is in mirror, and he says, hey, how, how, am, I, how am I doing this? So, again, James wants to ask us, hey, how are we doing with that? And then he says, I want to talk to those who are immature person, who pretends they are doing fine, doing good, and have nothing. How are you doing today? Great, brother. You know? How's your walk with God? Good. My walk is really good, like Nacho Libre says, right? My life is good, it's real, but, but, but James says, no, 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 let's, let, let's take a look. So you have a group of people that have to just mirror, but you also have those that, well, it reminds me of a song, an old song in the 50s, Joe, you would know this, but it's called The Great Pretender. Anybody remember that? And some of the lyrics go like this, oh yes, I'm the great pretender. Pretending that I'm doing well. Do you remember that back when you were dancing the sock hop, Joe? Okay, good. If I don't give Joe maybe a hard time, he'll think I'm sick. He said, the lyrics go on, and says, My need is such, I pretend too much, I'm lonely, but no one can tell. Oh yes, I'm the great pretender, adrift in the world of my own. I play the game, but to my real shame, you've let me to dream all alone, to realize this feeling of make-believe, to real when I feel what my heart can't conceal. That's the song, The Great Pretender. James, the half-brother of Jesus, is going to show us how to grow up in Christ by having a proper relationship to God through his word. In other words, he doesn't want us to be the great pretenders. And I often think it's healthy to look at your heart and say, Lord, where am I? How am I walking with you? How am I walking? Here, here's why. Listen, because you and I can get really good, come on, church, at saying, praise God. You and I can get really good at saying, have a blessed day. You and I can get really good at hallelujah. And sometimes we have drifted away from God. There's hallelujah, amen. And it's just, it's natural vocabulary. How you doing, sister? Praise God, I'm doing well. Really? It's that, it's that, let me see if I can, let me see if I can drive this point home. Whenever you go into a, you're shopping and you go into a department store, whatever it might be, and the salesperson comes up to you, come on, and you say, can I help you? What do you say? Come on. Well, who said that? Just looking. Why do you say that? Were you looking or did you go in specifically? We're, ta- we're, we're taught to say, I'm just looking. So they are, well, what are you looking for? Da-da-da-da-da. But that's how we do So, So here's the point. The point is, James says, okay, let's let's make sure we're not just looking, but that we really have, well, there's three responsibilities that James gives us, guys. And if we fulfill these responsibilities, then we'll have an honest walk with God. Amen. So if you're taking note, jot this down. He says, here's the first responsibility. You need to receive the word. You need to receive the word. We're going to look at that today. The second point, the second responsibility goes, not only do you need to receive it, but you need to practice it. Practice it. And then third is you need to share the word. So he says we need to receive the word, we need to practice the word, and we need to share the word. Now, before we go on, let me remind you what we learned last week. We learned all about temptations and remember, temptations are simply this, a solicitation to do evil. And we talk about how to handle temptations. If you weren't here, I would encourage you go to the podcast, grab that. But the first thing to handle a temptation is to consider God's judgment. In other words, flash forward and see the consequences and the judgments. Like think about, okay, what is this? If I do this right now, if I do this solicitation, if I'm going to sin, if I'm going to do this, what's going to look like in six months? This reminded me, in all my years of pastoring at Calvary Chapel, I had a couple come in for marriage counseling. And, and I tried to get them to see if, if they weren't willing to work at their marriage, what it would look like in six months to a year. And I really wanted them to flash forward and think, do you want to be, sir, you have a home, you have a family, you have... Do you want to be in an apartment by yourself? Do you want do you, can you can you see this and I was really trying to get the feel for oh. Oh. And the second thing we learned guys was to consider God's goodness. I think that's important. To take a moment and think how good he's been to us. Every good gift is from him. But the very thing that you get good, the enemy wants to tell you that it's not good that you deserve more, but every good gift comes from God. And then he says the best way to handle temptation we've talked about last week is to consider God's divine nature within us, that God is living with you. I love the fact that the Lord Jesus came down from heaven, died on the cross, but he lives inside us. This is one of those things the Old testament the Old Testament saints are going, man, what was that like? You had the very living God inside you. And, oh, oh, and you know what? I mean, we had to jump through hoops to pray. But you, Hebrews says, you could go boldly through the throne of God through Jesus. You can talk to him. You can talk to him. So those are the ways we were to handle temptation. So with that as our intro, let's look at what James wants to teach us today. The title of my message is Quit Kidding Yourself. We're going to pick it up in verse 19. If you're taking note, the very first thing we need to do, you ready, church? is receive the word of God. Receive the word of God. Look with me in verse 19. So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. Now, what did I tell you about James? James doesn't beat around the bush. He tells you straight up, right? So he starts off with a so then, a therefore, because of what you have learned in your trials and temptations, he says, okay, you've learned it, now what? Now what? And he says, so then, my beloved brethren. Now here's what I want you to do. I want you to circle that and remind you, that's a term of endearment. That's a term of endearment. He's he's not admonishing us and, and, and being rough and ugly. He's loving and he's, and he's and he's giving us that term, that term of endearment. If you're from the Hispanic culture, the term hito or hita might be um, a, a term of endearment. And in, in, in our culture here, if you see a little one and you call him daddy or mama, that's, you're not really calling them the daddy. That's a term of endearment. Some might say so. I mean, there's all types of endearment, but, but we have that. It's like, oh, oh, you know? I love it when my grandson calls me on FaceTime. I don't know if you knew this, but I was in a board meeting on Tuesday, and he tried calling me 17 times. That's just how he did. I put, and then then if I answer, you know my my little, hi, Pa," Hi, Hito. I'm in a meeting. And then I'll stay looking at the ceiling. He runs off. So I'll hang up. Then he comes up. Finally, I was like, I'm in a meeting. I have to... You go, Pastor, your point. Here's the point, guys. God loves you. You're his Hito and His Hitas, you're His term of Endearment. You're you're His kids. Don't ever feel like you're not. But he says, He says, so then, my love, my beloved brethren. Now I want you to notice something. The instructions James gives us is to obey, is to obey. Now listen and take note. These instructions are wrapped up in verse 21 when we receive the word of God in our hearts. Only then can we obey these instructions. Oh, come on, somebody. You've got to grasp this. Why? Because there's something out here called behavior modification. Do You know what behavior modification is? You look at the culture around you, you look at your friends, and then you behave and you modify your behavior to look like a Christian but there hasn't been any any transformation in your heart. You can look good. You can look like a Christian, and that's the term where you start. What's the next step, church? It's then you become a practical atheist. How so? You've modified your behavior so much, but you still haven't had that transformation inside. But you look like one. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. I think of Judas. Judas walked with all the guys. He heard the teachings. He saw everything. I mean, he was there when Peter got out of the boat. He was there when he fed them. I mean, how could he deny? Well, I'm, I'm an apostle. I got I to look like one. How are you? Praise the Lord. Lord, should we not have taken the money and fed the poor? then it's just that next step. That next step. So the point is, is that, guys, transformation comes when we receive the word of God into our hearts. And then we can obey. You see, you should have behavior modification, but it's based upon what God is doing on the inside first. Come on, somebody. Because the opposite was you look good, you look good, you're not saved. The left behind movies, you guys remember that when that came out? And uh who was left? The pastor, right? That scares me to death. I'm like, oh, why'd they have to leave the pastor? You know? Because he was he he was preaching and but he wasn't really sharing the truth and You guys know that? He was like, and I was good, and I preached really well, but they're gone, and I'm... And he's yelling at God, and I'm like, I know. We have to receive the word of God first. So what happens is the seed of the word is planted deep in our heart. And when that happens, then comes obedience. You guys with me? So what do we do first? He says the first thing you need to do, look at verse 19, you are swift to hear. Let every man and woman be swift to hear. The New Living Translation says it like this. It's best to listen much. So, he's going to talk in context, but I want you to think about that. Are you, are you a good listener? Are you a good listener? Instead of blaming God under our trials, because we've got to keep it in context... Let us open our ears and our hearts to learn what he teaches by them. The picture points to listening to the word of truth, and it's aimed against violent and disruptive speech. So, are you a good listener? You should be swift. It's best to listen much. Let me me test you. When somebody comes to talk to you and asks you to listen, do you listen, or do you listen to reply very quickly with your own story? See, sometimes we listen, but we're not listening. We're thinking, and, and I've had this happen. Somebody will come up, and, and uh, they'll be saying, hey, this is what going to me, and, and I can relate. And so I begin to tell my own story of how I can relate. But all of a sudden, I'm doing more of the talking than I am doing the listening. And so, and so again, think about this. If someone comes up, if Peter comes up to me and, and he's telling me something and that I need to understand, I, you know what the best method is? So what I hear you saying is, so I can receive it. Now that's just, that's just bros. That's just, what about what God's telling us? I mean, we need to be, what, we need to be swift to hear, Lord, what is, what am I supposed to learn from this? What am I supposed to learn from this? He says, the second thing you need to do, not only, not only what? Ready? Not only it's best to listen much, he says, slow to speak. You guys see that? Now, that does not mean you talk slow. Okay? Wives, don't look at your husband and say, let me slow it down for you. That's not what it means. The same construction and some, basically, it's the uh, ingressive aorta tense, and it's an active infinitive. You go, what does that mean? It just means to slow to begin speaking, not slow while sleep speaking. So, in other words, think. Let it, let it before you say. How many of you have ever wished you had a rewinder on your words? <laughs> It, you see them, and you're like, ah, no, man, man. Remember, we have two ears and one mouth, which out to remind us that we need to listen more and speak less. Too many times... We argue with God, if not verbally, then in our minds and in our hearts. Then he says this. You ready? You've accepted the Lord. You received it. So you're what? You're swift to hear. Yes, Lord. I'm not going to say much. And then slow to wrath. Look at that. Let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. We can learn to be slow to wrath by first learning to be swift to hear and slow to speak. So much of our anger and wrath comes from what, church? being self-centered and not other-centered. Swift to hear is a way to be others-centered. Slow to speak is a way to be others-centered. When you are self-centered and it's all about you, that's when you get really angry. Oh, this is good. This is good. Why? Because when you go through a trial and you go through a temptation or you're struggling and you're asking God, what do I need to learn from this? What do I need to really grow from? But you really don't want the answers. Then what happens if you become self-centered? Then this is why you're angry with God, because you go, Lord, it should be all about me. I don't understand this. I don't understand this. When I was in New Mexico this past week, I got to to have lunch with uh, the pastor... Who's now the pastor of the church we came out of, Rio Rancho, Pastor Ben Chavez. And um, love that guy. But he told me, he told me of a um, young man who had been in that church for a long, long time and has thus left the church just recently. And the reason why is because the worship leader had not let him sing lead on the team. That's being self-centered. Well, I'm not coming to your church because. Well, I'm not because you didn't. And it's like, no, 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 no. See, again, that's where the anger comes. But we have a reason. And the reason is actually found, keep going in verse 20. He says, for the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. It doesn't you go, Ben, I'm not sure what that means. Well, the wrath of man means that that man's anger, the subtle indignation in contrast to thymus, is both rage and fury. It doesn't necessarily work god's righteousness when you're angry okay, come on church, when you're when you're looking inwardly and you're and you're self-centered and you're angry. People don't go, wow, that makes me want to serve God. It makes us go, oh, and you're supposed to be a, yeah, you guys got it. Now, I'm not saying that you can't ever get mad. Oh, I can't get mad. I can't get mad. I'm just... We get angry, and there's righteous anger, and there's times when we get angry, and there's times when we sin in our anger. And I get it. But I want to grow, and I know that, oh, forgive me, sweetie, or forgive me. That doesn't produce the righteousness of God. I am so sorry. Yeah, I've got to be honest with you. I was looking inward, and I was looking how this was going to affect me. I didn't realize the bigger picture, how it was going to affect God. Mmm. Mmm. There, there is such a thing, church, as righteous indignation. But one is not necessarily promoting the cause of God by his own personal anger. And now we need to prepare our heart. Look at verse 21. Therefore, lay aside, what, James, all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. Notice what he says. He says, therefore, whenever you see a therefore, guys, this is the practical application, You go, I'm sorry, what is, what is, what does it mean again? Well, think about it. He goes, Hey, so then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. Why? For the wrath does not produce the, the, for the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Okay. Therefore, he says, lay aside. What does that mean to lay aside? You have a pencil handy. You can put, put this away. Cast off. Um, basically just take off to just put, put it aside. What should I put aside? Notice the word all. I don't know if, you know if you guys know what this means, but let me give it to you in the Greek. You know what it means? All. Any. Every. The whole. All. That's what it means. To, to, to what? To lay aside, take this off all. All what? Filthiness. You guys ready? Circle that. It's dirtiness in, related, in relation to that anger, to that wrath. Let go. Let it go. Therefore, here's the application lay aside all filthiness. And he says, overflow of wickedness. Now, you and I, as believers, we don't want to have an overflow of wickedness, right? I don't want an overflow of wickedness. I, I, that doesn't define me. I know. But here's what it means it means a superabundance of evil. In other words, James is telling you, get rid of the junk. Be honest and cast those things off. You've got man, you've got two natures fighting inside you. You got your spirit, and he wants to receive the, the word, he wants to walk with God, he wants the power of the Holy Spirit, man, the power of God unto salvation. You want to see these things, and then you've got the flesh, and you've got you got that self-centeredness, and you've got that overabundance of evil. And when that person cuts you off on Luke 11, like, and oh, I can't believe you, and we get so mad. It's like, whoa, which which? Come on, it may not be it may not be the person that cuts you off. It may be something, but you get angry. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? There you are in the car. And you're having a good time, and you and you put on, you know, you're listening to worship music, you're having a good time, and you're just singing. And all of a sudden, somebody does cut you off. I mean, almost wrecks you. And all of a sudden, there goes worship. Here comes words. Well, you've got to stop. And can you imagine Jesus sitting here going, "Really? How does that produce righteousness?" Well, Lord, if you would have just seen her... No, it doesn't have to be her. Just kidding. <laughs> Seeing if you're paying attention. Lord, do you see him? Did you see... He just... Driving to parking lady. And the Lord's looking at you going, really? We got some work to do, bro. Oh, Lord, you're right. Here's a question I often ask myself. That's never happened to me, but if it did, here's how... It would... <laughs> Here's how I would ask myself, what am I really angry about? What am I really angry about? Now, I know none of you have ever kicked your dog. I hope you haven't. But sometimes we get mad at our dog because it won't come in when we tell him. And the Lord knocks on your heart and says, what are you really angry about? And we really got to be honest because there's some things we're angry about that we have not confessed to God. And maybe we feel wronged or maybe we feel like we've been cheated or maybe we feel, and so it just comes out. And again, think about this. He says, hey, here's what we do. Make sure you do what? He says, he says lay aside. Get rid of all the filthiness and that overflow. Just why? Because then you'll be able to receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. That's how we receive this. And and think about this, guys. Look at verse 21, underline that, receive with meekness the implanted word. Why? Because if you'll look at it and it goes a little deeper, it seems like James seems to be borrowing from the Lord on the parable of the sower. Do you guys remember that? Because you, I want to receive that. Because if you go in your minds to Luke or Matthew chapter 13 and then through 18, do you guys remember what Jesus compared God's word to? and the human heart to soil. In this parable, he describes four types of hearts. He says the seed fell on, well, he says first it's the hard heart. And they received it, they didn't understand. By the time they got to the corner, they forgot all about the word. He says, but you also have a shallow heart. A shallow heart, yeah, emotional, but it has no depth. See, it received the word, and then was like, oh, oh, this is great. And they're pumped up, but it but then the trials came, and I didn't want to serve Jesus no more. And then he says, but he says, you also had the crowded heart, the crowded heart. And this lacked repentance and permitted sin to crowd the word of God. And all the things started pulling. It's like, oh, I can't. But he says, but then you had the fruitful heart, and that's the one that received the word and allowed to take root and produce fruit. Now, here's the thing, man. James wasn't a disciple that walked with Jesus like his other disciples, but he was the half-brother and I'm pretty sure Jesus had told them this, maybe in, the, in, in, in just, or they heard it from his disciples. It's like, wow. So James seems to go, yeah, I remember what, what Jesus said. But here's the thing I, I don't want anything in my heart to, to crowd out God's word. I don't want anything in my heart that's going to, especially wickedness. Oh, now I'm really convicted. Wow, Lord, forgive me, I'm so sorry. See, James tells us the final test of salvation is the fruit we bear, fruit of a changed life, both in character and in conduct. Remember, ready, how we behave or basically we behave how we believe. If you truly believe, then it's like, okay, this is the fruit that should come. So one thing we have to do is be really ready to receive the word of God into our hearts. In other words, no pretenders, no pretenders. So how do we know? How do we know if you've really received the word of God? Well, it's really simple. The second thing we need to do is practice the word. Listen, it's not enough to hear the word of God. We must do it. Many people have mistaken the idea of hearing a good sermon or Bible study is what makes them grow. But it's not in the hearing, it's in the doing. Come on, somebody. It's not, I mean, James compared the word to a seed, and now he's going to compare the word to a mirror. And to a mirror. Man. Once again, the word of God jumps out, because in my hotel room, I don't know about you, but I had two mirrors. You understand that, right? I had this mirror, in which I look really good in. And then over here, they had one that was like magnified 15. You know what I'm talking about? And I didn't look good in that one. I was like, oh, no, look inside. I mean, it was like, that magnified every wrinkle I had. I can't believe I go back to this mirror. But this is the mirror that God wants us to... I mean, th- this is right, because, because the purpose... What's the purpose of a mirror? The purpose of a mirror is to be able to look and see yourself and make yourself look clean and neat. So the Word of God is like that. So the first thing we'll discover in this portion, guys, jot this down, is examination. So let's look in. Which mirror are you going to choose? We'd have the big mirror... I have the big mirror, and you're just like, oh, cool, my hair looks good, okay. And then I look at this mirror, and it was like, oh, I didn't see that there. I did. Oh, oh. And so I have to do the right examination. Look at verse 22. James says, but be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourself. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man observing his natural face in the mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. That's exactly it. That's exactly it. He says, we must receive God's word as doers, not mainly hearers. To take comfort in the fact that you've heard God's word, you haven't done it, is to deceive yourself. To deceive yourself. Church, listen to me. I love you, but it's not enough to listen to a good sermon. It's not enough to go to 15 different Bible studies if you're not going to do the Word of God. That's what James is saying. Oh, yeah, I'm studying the Word. all that. Yeah, listen to... I have 15 different podcasts. I listen to God's Word. But are you doing it? Because there would be fruit. There would be fruit. Here's why. Listen, think about this, guys. Wrap your mind in the ancient world. It was common for people to hear a teacher, but if you followed the teacher and tried to live what he said, you were called the disciple of that teacher. Jesus is looking for disciples, doers, not just hearers. Jesus used this same point to conclude his Sermon on the Mount. He said that the one who heard the word without doing it was like a man who built his house on sand. But the one who heard God's word and did it was like a man who built his house on the rock and could withstand the inevitable storms of life and eternity. Matthew chapter 27, 24 through 27. So again, think about this. Think about this. So we have to do an examination. This would be a a mere glance into the word, not examining ourselves, much like taking a candid photo versus an x-ray. Which one do you want? Say cheese. And then you got an x-ray and they go, oh, we got something we need to fix. Hmm. 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 How many of you people are are like me that um, if I just avoid it, if I don't go to the doctor, then I just won't have to deal with it. You know? Many of our like that. It's like, well, you know, I got this lump on my head, but I'll be all right. You know, it's growing. The, you know, I mean, it's like, no, but because we're afraid. We start, we start going to the doctor, and you know they're going to find something wrong. You just know it. And it but, but the x-ray guy shows, the word of God shows that in our hearts. But here's the thing. A lot of times we can read the word of God and go, oh, cool. That was a great sermon. Pastor Ben is just an amazing teacher. He's just like awesome. He's like way up here. Just a joke, guys. I was just saying if you're paying attention. Or we can look at God's word. Now, Now, here's why. Here's why. Listen. When you leave our church, you should be more in love with Jesus. Not worried about what the pastor said. Yeah, pastor can be funny. He can be, he can be the gifting is being able to communicate, all that stuff. But if you're, not, if you're not walking with Jesus when you leave here, it's not right. That's not what we're about. That's not what we're about. So I don't want to just take a, a photo. I want an x-ray. Lord, show me. Because after examination, I need to move to the second ministry in the mirror of the word. And you what's that? It's restoration. Why? Well, look at verse 24. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. Guys, think about this. Think about, wrap your mind about what James said. Let me give you an illustration. Nathan, the prophet Nathan and, and David. You guys remember that? What a story. What a story. The prophet Nathan comes in. Our friends, David, the king, man, that must have been hard. God, I don't want to go in there, get in there and tell David he's the man. I don't want to do it. Go go, tell him. Oh, what was the purpose? David's going to kill me. No, he's not. The purpose is restoration. I want to bring him back to, a, to, to someone I can use. David, let me tell you a story. A little bit of lamb, da-da-da-da-da. David's like, kill the man. David, you're the man. What? You see, it wasn't about a sheep. It was about taking Bathsheba and Uriah and the whole line. And again, I mean, it's just like, wow. The prophet Nathan brought examination for the purpose of restoration. Church, when you look into your heart, what's the purpose? It's to restore you back and make sure you're in the right relationship. Make sure. That's why he calls you beloved brethren. He's not going, yeah, well, then you guys could just... He doesn't say that. He goes, hey, 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 hey. I want you to mirror your heart. Mirror, come on. Some of us today need to mirror our walks with the word of God. And if we're falling short, man, now's the day to repent. Lord, I'm so sorry. I'm going to return to you. I'm going to, Lord, show me. Show me. If I got a spiritual tumor inside me, Lord, show me so so I can deal with this. Because he tells us here, but he who looks in the perfect law of liberty. You can write down the law of freedom. You go, what does it mean? It says, when we obey the word of God, it sets us free. When we obey the word of God, it sets us free. Can I tell you what our problem is? We hear what it says. We know what to do but we don't do it. And I don't know about you, but when this happens to me, I remain in bondage. I argue with God. God, why am I in the bondage? Why am I here? What's going on? And he says, hey, I'm asking you to, you've got an issue over here in your heart. (sighs) Now, James says, if we'll look into that, to that perfect law of freedom and continue in it by obedience, I'm going to be blessed in all that I do. If we study God's word, guys, intently and do it, and continue it, he says, we'll be blessed. We'll be blessed. If we were to dissect this a little bit deeper, guys, the ancient Greek language, the word look for, or looks into speaks of a penetrating examination, okay? It's not just like, oh, it looks like, again, it, here's what it means. It, it, it's the person who will bend over to get a better look. You guys know what I'm talking about? To bend over. And this is what James stresses, you know, basically to look over, get a a, a way better, wait, wait, let me see, hold on. And that's what he's talking about says when you look into that verses, just kind of a quick glance, when you look into. Into. And 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 this is what he's saying. It's not just like oh. James says. He, let me stress to this, when you are studying and digging and digging, that's how we look into the word of God. Let me let me check it a little bit more. Let me check it a little bit more. Huh. When we look into this perfect law of liberty, James says, it's a wonderful way to describe the word of God. In the new covenant, God reveals us basically a law, but he's put in the law of liberty, written and transformed on our hearts by the spirit of God. James tells us, if you want to be blessed, study and be a doer of the word. And now he goes on to give us examples of that word. So what's the first thing we do, guys? The very first thing that we learn, let's go back and let's let's just rehash this real quick. He says, we need to receive the word. We need to receive it. We need to make sure that it's not fighting with other things and that there's no idols in our heart. He says, once you receive the word, he says, then you need to practice the word. Let it do its work. How do we practice? Through examination and then through restoration We're looking in, and he says, now, now we need to share the word. Verses 26 and 27. James writes, if anyone among you thinks he's religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his own heart, this one, religion, is useless. Now we're getting there. You have permission to leave if you want to right now. You go, why? Because now he's talking about... "Mm -mm." Why? Well let's 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 go see. Let's see. He says if any one of you thinks he's religious, the word religious is an outward practice, service of God, okay? It's only used 5 times in the New Testament, but that's how we are. It's like, man. He says he says if anyone of you thinks he is religious, he says and does not bridle, that means curb his tongue. Why? Got this down. The tongue reveals the heart, and if the heart is right, then our speech will be right. Oh, you guys are very quick to amen, but take a moment. Why? Because when we use our tongue to gossip, what does that reveal about your heart? Oh, no, 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 Pastor, <laughs> I'm not coming back to this church because no, 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 let it examine. Why? Because, because a healthy heart is going to be a healthy speech. Let me give you an example. If you see a brother and sister and you know their character, you know their character. They love Jesus. They walk with God. They're just, and out of the blue, they're out of character. We don't talk about that. You know what our speech should be? Bro, are you okay? I've noticed some changes. Are you going through something? Is there anything I can do? I love you, buddy. You okay? Why? Because our tendency, if we're not careful, if we if we have if we have a divided heart or we have junk in our heart or we have something going on in our heart, we will tend to gossip. We will tend to say stuff. And, and you know how we do it? Come on, somebody. We do it in the form of prayer. We'll gossip in the form of prayer. Did you know so-and-so? Pray for them. I heard she was having an affair. We really need to pray for them. Because Tom, I don't know who Tom, just, I'm not, Tom, you know, doesn't do And what are we doing, guys? Really? Did, did you know that Tom's having an affair? I didn't know that. How'd you find out in prayer meeting? Healthy heart, right? What, what should we do? What, what's the alternative? Honestly. You know what? You need to pray for Tom. I don't I hope there, there's not. Is there a Tom in <laughs> like, Just the first name. Pray for Ben. We'll just use Ben. Pray for Ben. Car. Pray for Ben and uh, God knows. God knows. Now, if you go to Tom and you say, Tom, can I have your permission? Yeah, you have my permission to share. Then, Then it's not gossip. But the point is, if any of you thinks he is a religious person, one that practices this, people think you're a Christian, and then you open your mouth and you reveal your heart, that could be a good thing, or that could be a bad thing. He's going to talk to us more about the tongue. You know James is, right? He's going to talk to us more about what we say. The Bible tells us in the multitude of words there's sin, so I have to be careful because I usually talk a lot. We have to be so careful. So what should we do? Think before we speak. Think. Think. What are you saying? What are you really getting at? And again, this goes listen, this goes to when you're to, to married couples right away. Let's go to married couple. Communication is so key because what your spouse is saying may not be the intent, but all of a sudden, you're on defense. And if you're on defense mode, let me tell you a thing or two. <laughs> it could be boss employee. Could it not? Your boss comes in, and, it, and, and your boss has had a really bad day. You don't know this, but now he starts telling you, and you're right away defensive. Well, I'm going to quit that job. No, no. Think about it for a minute. God, what, are you, what am I supposed to learn here? How am I supposed to react on this? What am I supposed to do? Okay. Okay. Look at verse 27 with me, church. James writes, Pure and undefiled religion before God, and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. Okay, now, circle this, because he's not saying, okay, now we're going to have a ministry called Visit the Orphans. He means service. He says, listen, pure and undefiled religion, pure and undefiled service to God is to serve God. To serve God. You ready? To meet the needs of others in the body. How does it work? How are you doing? Yeah, I'm really struggling. Is there anything I can do? Meet the need. If you have the means, meet the need. That's what he's saying. Service, service. That's what he's he's talking about. Service, meeting the needs of others. I think of Isaiah chapter six, one through eight. You can mark that down. Isaiah says, "I saw the Lord," and then he says, "Then Himself," and then the people whom He would serve. He would serve. Guys, you ready? As believers, we should be serving. We should be serving in one capacity or another. You go, well, Ben, I'm old and, and I can't do a whole lot, but I can pray. And I say, amen. You see, praying for the body, praying for your pastor, praying for people, that's a service to God. But other, other of us, are, are we're healthy and we could go, hey, oh. What do you need we need to do? What do we need to do? We just serve. Just serve the Lord. And when ministry comes up, we go, yeah, that's it. We're going to serve the Lord. We're going to visit orphans and widows in their trouble. But we also got to do something else. What's that, guys? It says, keep oneself, keep oneself unspotted from the world. You go, Ben, what does that mean? You could jot this down. It means separation from the world. Separation, unspotted. From the book of Genesis, do you guys remember Lot? Lot was an example of one who wasn't unspotted, but actually spotted in the world. How so? Well, he started living towards Sodom. That's where he ended up. Lot, don't go to Sodom. Well, let me just look. Huh. Well, it looks really nice. They got an Applebee's there in Sodom? Maybe you... And, and, and guess what happened? So he started living towards Sodom, the Bible says, but he was disregarding the spiritual climate of the area because of the prosperity. Eventually, he wasn't on the outside of Sodom. What happened, guys? He moved into the wicked city. And then what happened is he became a part of the city's leadership. And in the end result, do you remember what happened? Lot lost everything. He was saved, but barely by the skin of his teeth. You see, again, this is this was the opposite of what James wants us to do. The world is going to try to pull you back into, hey, remember we had fun? <laughs> remember? remember we used to have fun? We had fun. And you're like, no, because what happens is I'm going I'm to say, well, maybe I'll And then he wants to pull you back in. I think of Mrs. Lot. What did the angel say? Don't look back. Don't look back. Let me give you two schools of Mrs. thought. Can I do that, Mrs. Lot? Two schools of thought on Mrs. (laughs) Lot? You didn't know I was a rapper, did you? Mrs. Lot looked back and she was turned into a pillar of salt. One school of thought says she was longing for the stuff she was leaving. See, her heart was so into the world, into what was going on in Sodom, and Sodom, that she, oh, what am I leaving? What am I missing? And if we turn around, we'll always be pulled back in, guys. But I don't, I, I like Mrs. Lott. I'm sorry she's salt. But I also think that she had family there, and I think I'm going to give her the benefit of the doubt that she was a mama. And she was leaving her babies. And so I, I'm, that's another school. I was just like, "Mama's was like, oh, my. Because you remember, Lot's son-in-laws thought he was joking. Pure, James tells us, an undefiled religion. Now, again, not the religion we think of. This is, this is our, our service to God. And to the Father is simply this guy serve and keep yourself unspotted from the world. Keep yourself. In closing, James speaks to us and actually gives us three tests. You go, he does. Yeah. Number one, he gives us the test of listening. Ask yourself, am I a good listener? Lord, make me a good listener. Slow to speak. What are you saying? How am I receiving this? Go ahead, guys. Am I a good listener? Hey, when someone comes up and begins sharing stuff, you get defensive, Lord. Help me to help me to listen. The second test is, well, it's a test of obedience. Am I obeying God's word? Am I obeying it? Here's God's word. And then, and then the third is the true test of worship. Wait a minute, Ben. I thought worship was. Listening to these guys sing, I thought that was, no, 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 worship is obedience and service and love. What does he tell us? He says, be a doer of the word. One final thought. Make sure today, church, you're not the great pretender. but That you have a real... Relationship with God, and then the trials and the temptations and all of life goes through, it's because He wants to make you better and stronger, and 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 just that vibrant, wonderful man or woman of God. It's not just a facade. It's just not. It's you going. Yeah. How do we know? Well, one of the one of the truest forms is what fruit. Take a moment, take a moment. I love you guys. Take a moment to look at the fruit of your lives. Lord, where's the fruit? If you and I were to go into a courtroom and your crime was being a fully devoted follower of God, would there be enough evidence in your life that you would be convicted hands down. I would hate to be in that courtroom and the jury go, "Ah, oh, we're a hung jury, we just don't see it. We just don't see it. Why? Well, some of some of the fruit, you know, some of the stuff that he said, some of the way he acts. Now, you know what the goal would be? Guilty. 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 Make sure you're right with God. Let's quit kidding ourselves and get right with God. So if you're here today and God's knocking on your heart, my beloved brethren, it's because He wants you to make sure that you have a right relationship with Him. You're not just modifying your behavior. You want to be truly transformed. You go, okay, Ben. See, In, an op- in a moment, I'm going to give you an opportunity, and I'll tell you why. Because we're living in a day and age where God still has his grace and his ends are open wide, and he says, please come home. Please come home. I'm not mad at you. I'm madly in love with you, but I want you to grow up. Because what you're about to face out there in the coming months and years, you need to be strong Christians. That's how much he loves us. Can I get an amen? Father, we thank you for your word tonight, this morning, and the truth in your word. We thank you for the book of James and how practical it is, God. You've called us, God, to be doers of your word and not hearers only. Lord, help us to be unspotted from the world. To live an exciting and vibrant and wonderful life for you. And long for those beautiful words of well done, good and faithful servant. With every eye closed and every head bowed, I just want to give you an opportunity. If you're here today and God is knocking on your heart, not me, not by the words I'm saying, but take a moment and just ask the Lord, Lord, am I right with you? You see, it's not about joining a church. It's not about any of that. It's about a real relationship with the God that created you. If you're here today and you feel like you've been backslidden, that you've been walking away from God, and and you feel like there's this desert that that you're in right now, and and he's knocking on your heart, I want you to know that God loves you so much and that he, he desires this relationship. He wants to talk to you every day. He wants to walk with you. He wants to come in and forgive you and love you. But you've got to make that decision right now you've got to put pride aside and say Lord I'm going to follow you I don't care what anyone thinks or says please don't leave here today if you're not in a right solid wonderful relationship with God I'm not asking you to be perfect but I'm asking you to go hey I want to be right with God you go Ben what do I have to do Well, with every eye closed and every head bowed, all you have to do simply is just lift up your hand and say, Ben, pray for me. I want that relationship with God like you were talking about. I want to be set free. I want to look in the perfect law of liberty and know that beyond a shadow of a doubt, I have a walk with Jesus. If God is knocking on your heart right now, then I want you to just lift up your hand. Say, Ben, pray for me. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Mm I bless you. Anyone else? Anyone else? Lift up your hands so I can see you. Remember, this is between you and God, not joining a church, not anything else. It's just, Lord, it's me. It's me. I want to be right. Anyone else? Just lift up your hand. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray that God's Holy Spirit would just move mightily in your heart. Lord, I thank you for these hands that were raised. I pray right now, God, in the power of the name of Jesus, your Holy Spirit would just bring us to a place where we confess our sins to you. Lord, I'm, no, I'm not a pretender anymore. I love you. I give my life to you, Lord. Words alone aren't sufficient to save. Father, I never want to hear those words depart from me. I never knew you. So today... I open up my heart. I invite you inside. Lord, I am not perfect. I am far from it. I have have no clue where to start. But if you'll come into my heart and into my life, I give you full control from here on out. I believe you died on that cross for me. For me. And I believe you were buried and you resurrected. Lord, and right now, you're coming back for me. And so, Lord, here's my heart. I open it up. I invite you inside. And I'm asking you to be my Lord, to be my God, to be my Savior. Lord, to be my friend. I need a friend. And I choose this day to follow you forever. I'm yours. In Jesus' name. Amen. And if you prayed that prayer, I want to welcome you back to the family of God. We love you so much. Hey, grab somebody and go, hey, I I just rededicated my life to the Lord, whatever it might be. That's you. Now, let's just get our hearts ready to just one last song of worship. We don't need words. We don't need words. We just need to just get our heart in tune with him. Let's worship. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love to hear from you and see you in person at the church. You can find our contact information, location, and even give a donation at calvarychapellubbock.church. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Until then, may God bless you and your family.